You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. We've been thinking about life as a spiritual road trip recently, and that's why the... um, there are like signs of landscapes around the ro- uh, the walls. We want to um, keep taking this journey and honoring the fact that it is a journey. It's not, you know, this this life of this faith thing isn't like an instant. It's not a thing that just happens in a moment and we get it and it's done. It's a long road, and I I, I think that's the invitation from Jesus. And on that road, there are. And this is how we're thinking of it this season, joy rides, potholes, and pit stops. So there's times when it feels really great and really fun. There's times when we get really jammed up and have problems. And then there's times that we run out of gas and we need to refuel. And we need to figure out, you know, what's ac- what's wrong with the car and what we actually need. And so tonight, it's the, it's about those pit stops, the rest stops. I'm sure you've all seen this um, nearby, and we're gonna have some talk back after the meeting. So I like how you're. I like how you guys were already doing that in the meeting, like Terry asking, "What's the question?" If you if you have thoughts, um, hang on to them because we're gonna have time to talk about it. One of my friends just told me last week about running out of gas on 95 during rush hour. Um, it was not fun. It did not sound fun. There wasn't even a shoulder on the side of the road that she could go to safely, like away from the car. And so she had to wait in the car and hope that, you know, the car didn't get plowed into. And she said it it felt indicative about how she was running on empty that week in other areas of her life, too. I'm sure you've had weeks like this. I know I have. Um, I went through a whole season like that in college um, where I, one time, I, like, I, I got, I fin- finally my senior year, I had the, the, wood, the wood-paneled family station wagon. Do you guys remember the wood paneling on the station wagons? I finally got to have that my senior year at college, and and um, I was in one of these, like, running out of gas weeks, and I literally ran out of gas, like, at the top of a hill, and I, the, the car was automatic and super heavy, and I didn't realize everything would just shut off in this automatic car, so it was scary, but I got, I was able to, like, pull off into a ditch on, this, on the side of the road at the bottom of this hill, um, even though, like, even my brakes stopped working. But my dad was not impressed um, that I was still alive because the tow truck <laughs> bill was expensive and I had to work a lot of shifts at the restaurant for that one. Um, but this got me thinking about how pit stops aren't fun when they're emergencies. You know, the rest stop isn't really restful when you, like, have some kind of crisis moment when you need a bathroom right now or somebody in your car is having a baby or there's an actual baby crying in your car that won't stop 
these these are not very restful rest stops, but they happen. There are times on the spiritual journey when we just have to pick up the phone and and uh, nine one one to a friend and say, "Hey, you know, I feel too I feel too alone in this." Um, I try to take retreats to go away at least twenty four hours of solitude with God every quarter. But sometimes I have these emergency. I can't wait till the quarter's over. I mean that what that you know that works great to have those planned times of rest with God, but sometimes the emergencies happen in between, and I I have to pick up the phone and call somebody. So contrast contrast the emergency rest stop with the wisdom of planning for a rest stop, like like the spiritual retreat. I'm not always a great planner, but I like to I like to plan nice, fun pit stops on road trips. Like, I think it's fun to think about, you know, hey, in a couple hours, we're going to be in such and such an area, and then we'll get some, we'll refuel, and we'll get some coffee, and we'll get some snacks, or we'll see this cool thing in this cool city. It's fun sometimes if you can plan for it. And what's really fun to me is... um I, I keep talking about this road trip I took with my family this summer, but um, I'm going to talk about it again because I was thinking about how I like to plan. If it's in the middle of the day when we need to take a rest stop to eat lunch or something, I like to look on the map and find the little blue lines um, and find like a pla- like a wa- like a nice you know naturey spot where we could stop and have some food like on the side of a river or stream or something where we can like stretch our legs and get get refueled by nature I guess that that's that's refueling to me um that's a that's a nice rest stop but I struck out on on this a couple times this summer and probably drove my family a little crazy but we were driving across the top of Nevada and if you know if you look at a map it's like super it's like maybe 10 hours of just desert but still there were like little there were little blue lines on the map where there was supposed to be waterways so i was like okay i'm looking ahead i'm like all right guys we're going to stop and eat you know when we get to this little river at such and such a town i can't remember the name of these towns that weren't actually towns um but I, I was looking for a river in the middle of this endless desert and saying things like, just a few more miles, guys, and then we can eat. But when we finally got off the exit where I thought the, the river was, the river was just like this muddy ditch, like under the overpass. And there was like, there was seriously like no, I, I can't even believe they call these places, like I can't even believe they put them on the map. Because sometimes there was just like one or two buildings. And um, the kids were literally afraid to get out of the car because it looked like it looked like a desert version of like deliverance. You know, like you might see people with no teeth and like, I don't know, something like something scary is going to happen. And so we got back in the car and I looked for the next river and it happened again that this town, like, wasn't even really a town. And 
maybe thanks to global warming, there was like no actual water in the riverbed. And my kids actually said something like, you have to stop hoping, mom. You have to stop hoping for the river. And so I finally gave up on picnics in Nevada, and we just <laughs> ate in the car and turned on the music, and that was fine. But the family telling me to stop hoping for the river picnic um, got me thinking about hope this week and, like, what we're really looking for at the spiritual rest stop. And I, I, think, I think it is hope that we're really looking for. I think hope is actually what fuels our spiritual engines. Hope is the fuel that keeps us going spiritually. A lot of, a lot of leaders that I look up to know this. They've tapped into it. Um, in college, I was really kind of obsessed with the playwright Vaclav Havel as a sociology major. Because this guy, um, he grew up in the totalitarian communist Czechoslovakia at the time, or Czech Republic. He, he ended up rebelling. You know, he created a movement, a human rights movement, really, and became the president of the Czech Republic, even though he, he was an artist. And um, he, I'm going to quote Brian Stevenson, who, talking about him, um, he hones in on the one thing that people really needed more than the money and recognition that they wanted from other countries to overthrow the Soviet domination, more than the criticism of the Soviet empire from the West and the diplomatic pressure. What, what Havel said his people really needed was hope, not a pie-in-the-sky kind of hope, not a preference for optimism over pessimism, but rather an orientation of the spirit, he called it. An orientation of the spirit toward hope. The kind of hope that creates a willingness to position oneself in a hopeless place and be a witness, even in the face of abusive power, to hang on to that hope. I think that hope, hope is dangerous like that. It's risky to have it, because things might not work out, but it does. It, it, it can do powerful things. Obama ran his campaign on it. And before that, before Obama came along, we had this discussion. We, we were forming as a church. We had this discussion about what we were going to be called. And um, some people didn't want to call us a circle of hope because it just felt too risky. Like, how, you know, are we really going to put ourselves out there like that? <laughs> and even, like, have some hope. Like, it just felt like maybe uh, we would put ourselves up there with all the people, sometimes especially religious people, who connect hope with good outcomes. And, and that's, that's not what we're necessarily talking about in Jesus. What we're talking about in Jesus is something bigger beyond outcomes. What we're talking about... Um, is beyond, I think when we talk about hope as Christians, it's beyond our circumstances. It's not tied to outcomes. We can hope for good outcomes, um, 
But that's not the core of our hope. Our hope isn't even really in our own goodness and faithfulness. Our hope even our hope isn't even in our commitment to wait on the Lord. Our hope is actually in the Lord. God is our hope. And so I think a good pit stop is some actual connection with God, the source of hope. That's the pit stop we need on the spiritual journey all along. Um, so I'm, I'm like, I'm glad we're having this meeting every week. It's an opportunity to get some hope, to have that connection. We're, we, we, we can't make the connection for each other, but we can create the environment for that connection to happen. We create the environment to actually connect with God, who is hope. So this year during Lent, we're gonna we're gonna dig into that some more and some more and talk about like specific ways that we can deepen that connection with God, that we can like rest into that foundation. You know, the mystics call God the ground of our being, and so um, we're gonna we're gonna learn some new prayer styles. Hopefully, contemplative prayer is a good one other spiritual practices that help us feel that connection and deepen it to strengthen us like to ground us especially for those moments when our feelings and our thoughts come and go and are all all over the place as they often are right how how do we um stay connected to that hope and feeling it we're going to get specific during lent but for now, I just, I really like this image of a mammal. I called these dolphins a fish at the, fishes at the five, and like everybody went crazy. They're not a fish. <laughs> no, they're not a fish, but they live in the water. And um, the, like, I was thinking about, like, say, like a baby fish heard a rumor about water being great and like said to its parent I I want I gotta have some of this and the parent saying you're breathing it like you're it's so it's hugging you like you live in it I I think that's how we are in God I think um that's a good picture of our of our in Christness the apostles talk about being in Christ I think it's like that it's so close Sometimes we, we can miss it for how close it is. And so that's a reason to, to take some spiritual rest stops, to slow down enough to remember that, that God is as near to us as our own breath, nearer than our own hearts even. In her book, Mystical Hope, uh, Trusting in the Mercy of God, Cynthia Bourgeau describes this water that we swim in, this God that we swim in as the mercy. She talks, she talks about it as the mercy. And she says, um, when we think of mercy, we should be thinking first and foremost of a bond, an infallible link of love that holds the, creative, the created and uncreated realms together. The mercy of God doesn't come and go, granted to some and refused to others. 
Why? Because it is unconditional, always there, underlying everything. It is literally the force that holds everything in existence, the gravitational field in which we live and move and have our being. So just like that fish looking for water, we, we swim in mercy as in an endless sea. And that's actually a Bible verse. We swim in mercy as in an endless, endless sea. Mercy is God's innermost being turned outward to sustain the visible and created world in unbreakable love. And I think we see that so clearly in Jesus kind of turning himself out on the cross and how God turns creation inside out to return him to life. And it's like how the Apostle Paul says, hope doesn't disappoint us. We can, we can actually have hope because of Jesus. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Jesus kind of reveals, I think, the, these waters of mercy that we swim in. So along this spiritual road trip, we've been, we've been um, trying to think about stories from the early church and from the apostles that help us think about their journey so we can think about ours. And we really don't have time to get too much into this story, but I, wanna, I want to just touch on this little moment that Paul had with his friend Silas when they get thrown into jail. Here they are singing in jail. But they got thrown into jail for freeing this little girl from her slave owner. They, uh, Luke records in Acts 16 that Paul and Silas were singing in prison at midnight. This is how the, the hope was kind of bubbling up in them. They were singing, they were chained up, and their, their feet were even in bonds, and they were singing at midnight. I like this, the South African artist made this sculpture um, that seemed better to me than all the Sunday school pictures. But here they were singing um, in prison, and an earthquake happened, and the chains on their bodies fell off. The jailer runs down and starts to fall on his sword because he thinks that everybody, he's, he's going to commit suicide because he thinks everybody has escaped from the prison and he'd be killed anyway. And Paul says, no, don't kill yourself. We're all here. Because the other people in prison were listening to the, Paul and Silas's singing and they stayed, and they were, they were like affected by this hope that was coming out of Paul and Silas. You know, I don't know if Paul and Silas singing, I don't know if they sounded good, they had good voices, it didn't matter. I think what spoke to the other prisoners was their hope in God, even in the middle of this dire situation. And the jailer was so amazed that he put his hope in God too and Paul and Silas like end up baptizing the, their whole family and everybody in that prison cell I love this I love the image of them singing in prison but the bigger message that I that it gives me is that God is big enough and good enough to put our hope in and and you know this and that's why you're here but God is good and big enough big enough for us to put our hope in. I think that being here together 
forming a circle of hope, forming the body of Christ is really the most beautiful revelation of the mercy in the whole world. Like as much as I love riverside picnics and the beauty of creation that Francis was singing about, it's, it's people who are seeking Jesus that reveal this mercy most of all. And that's probably my favorite thing that, that Cynthia says in this book, Mystical Hope. And she's not even like a, a real, she's not a conventional churchy person. But she can tell, she knows with the apostles that it's the body of Christ that is the mercy. Even in all our brokenness, even in our doubts, all the questions, you know, all, all our mess-ups and relational problems and um, struggles we can't get over, even in that, the body of Christ is the most beautiful revelation of, of the mercy. And so I invite you now, just, to, just for a minute, look around, look around at each other and see if, you can, see if you can notice that just in each other because people are filled. I know it's kind of awkward, but people are filled with the Spirit of God. And so um, we have that in us. I want to read you one more one more quote from Cynthia, and I invite you to just close your eyes and just kind of breathe breathe in that um, that sense of groundedness in Christ, that mercy that she's saying that we we all swim in. And I want to um, I want to read you this quote because it talks about how we are connected to this hope together not just in this moment, but through all we're called to be and do as a circle of hope in Jesus. She says, I've tried to suggest a new way of picturing hope, that the underlying sense of corporateness is physically real, that the electromagnetic field is mercy, and the mercy is the body of Christ. Through this body, hope circulates as a lifeblood. So it's not just mystical, it's alive, warm, it fills, it connects, it directs. It is the heart of our own life and the heart of all that lives. Hope's home is the innermost point in us and in all things. It is a quality of aliveness. It does not come at the end as the feeling that results from a happy outcome. Rather, it lies at the beginning as a pulse of truth that sends us forth. When our innermost being is attuned to this pulse, it will send us forth in hope, regardless of the physical circumstances of our lives. Hope fills us with the strength to stay present, to abide in the flow of the mercy no matter what outer storms assail us. It, it is entered always and only through surrender, that is, through the willingness to let go of other things we are presently clinging to. And yet when we enter it, God enters us and fills us with God's own life, a quiet strength beyond anything we have ever known. So I invite you to open your eyes and sort of come back to the room for this last part. But I, you know, she's talking about, she's talking about mysterious, intangible stuff there, but I, I think and there's going to be there's there's plenty of time to dig into that on our own 
as individuals, but I think um, what encourages me so much is that there's a tangibility to it that we can touch and hold even in our life together. Um, even if you're just like coming into that and exploring that, that's okay. And, and the last thing that, that encourages me, I want to leave you with the image of the running out of gas scene again, even though it might not seem very comforting. This, I think, is where um, it's, I, I have to admit to you that these moments when God has to save me because I can't save myself are the moments that really strengthen and grow my hope more than the riverside picnics. And I'm not I'm not saying this to you like we should live in crisis all the time because I don't think that's the invitation, but I think there is an invitation to live in the risk of hoping for more than we actually have, for going after the next thing that God is calling us to, for for like stepping out and like maybe uh, sharing beyond what we think we can afford or something, or um, like relationally, like in, in inviting somebody, I don't know, to coffee or to your cell meeting, even though they might reject you and laugh in your face or never call you back. Or it's the like, you know, getting getting involved in somebody's life to try to help free them up, like in the way that Paul and Silas did with that with that slave girl, it's going to cause problems. You know, it it caused Paul and Silas to get thrown into jail, but they kept they 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 went with their hope in the Lord, and they put themselves out there. And I think I think that is the invitation for us to um, not just to rest in our hope, but to test it out, to move with it to exercise it, and I guess I, I would, I would, um, I want to assure you that you're still going to be held in that hope. You're going to be held in the mercy regardless of the outcome of the risk that you take. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.